Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 108, uh, recorded and released on December 25th, 2013, our last for 2013. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Steve and everyone else. How is it going at the end of this fine year? Yeah, it's been a it's been a, an epic year to use that uh, often used uh, word. Um, it's been a year that has obviously seen so much for Superman in the way of his 75th anniversary, in the way of Man of Steel being released, the 35th anniversary for Superman the movie. Lots of different things to celebrate in 2013, but we are in December, the end of December, and uh, it's amazing that uh, we've uh, we've had such a year gone by so quickly. It flew by, and I remember way back in the summer of uh, the previous year, you know, looking forward and hoping for great things out of Man of Steel and all of the, obviously, rumors that were building up, and now we're closing in on a, on, a, on another end to this year, and, and we've got a new movie that, that we're talking about rumors for, and, and uh, it's just, it's funny how uh, it almost seems the same, even though it's the end of <laughs> last year, we're moving into another year with almost the same kind of discussions. Yeah, definitely. We will get to talking about the highlights of 2013 uh, later on in our discussion topics. I did want to make mention of the fact that this episode is the end of nine years of Radio KAL. This podcast has been going for well, more than nine years now. We will be our next episode will be the beginning of our tenth year uh, of Radio KAL. Just crazy to think that we've been doing this on the Superman homepage for for you know a full nine years. It's almost as long as um, Smallville was running. You must have started uh, just before it came on, and uh, and uh, it went off uh, what two years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here you are, nine years. I, I've only been doing it, I guess, about three myself. But uh, yeah, it's a long running show. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, people are still interested in listening to the show. We have. Uh, it's interesting because I look back at the very first episode that uh, Neil Bailey and I did, and it ran for all of seven minutes. Really? <laughs> it was just an introductory idea of the show, but the uh, not an actual full episode itself. And this, even then, the second episode, I think, ran for 20 minutes. Uh, it wasn't much uh, more than that, if if that. And now these days, we go for well over an hour. Yeah, I, I've uh, I, I I often wonder if if people want to hear my uh, my snide comments for that long period of time. Maybe seven minutes would be better. Oh <laughs> uh, well, we uh, we enjoy enjoy doing it. So hopefully, uh, people out there enjoy listening to us for that length of time. Uh, just seems so much to go that to go through these days. You know, we don't uh, just limit ourselves to one particular area like some fan sites do. They just concentrate on a mo- on the movie side of things. Uh, or other sites just concentrate on a particular TV show of the Superman uh, world. We actually, you know, we cover everything from the movies, the comics, the TV shows, uh, you know, merchandise, everything. And then we even do different uh, different segments of the show with the secret soundbite and now with the new comedy segment that we do. So we're always trying to uh, cover every aspect of the Superman mythos. Yeah, it's a, and it's fun because it, it, all of those things 
interest us and interest other visitors to the Superman homepage, so why not? Exactly. All right, well, let's jump into some of that movie discussion. Some of the, uh, well, we've actually got some finally some, some solid news now that an official announcement was made about Wonder Woman uh, with uh, Gal Gadot. Uh, the Israeli actress uh, who is probably most famous to people for her stint in uh, the Fast and the Furious movies uh, is uh, is Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, it was an exciting announcement. I've been calling her Gail Godot. Mm. I don't know if we have a confirmation on how her name is pronounced. but Yeah, um, I, uh, I actually looked around to see uh, just how you did pronounce her name so that in the speeding bulletin that I did for that week, uh, I could pronounce it correctly. And I was thinking it was a silent T, but she's not French. She's uh, Israeli. So uh, <laughs> it is actually Gol, as in Bol, uh, I guess, and Gadot with the uh, pronounce, pronouncement of the, uh, of the T at the end. Gal Gadot. Yes. Very good. Now I know how to pronounce it. See? See, it's a learning experience every That's time right. you come to the Superman homepage. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're like Sesame Street for Superman fans. We, we Today's episode brought by the letter G. That's right. Uh, I think it is incredible that uh, Wonder Woman is being cast for the big screen. As much as We've already talked about our disappointment that it was necessary to include Batman and try to incorporate this into a multi-hero feature when it's supposed to be a sequel to Man of Steel. Now that we already know that in some to some degree that is happening, I like the idea that to some degree we're going to have a Wonder Woman in some capacity. Obviously, we don't know her part. We don't know the script. We don't know exactly what the story is going to be, but I find it uh, very interesting, and I find myself excited that uh, – and it's different. You know, people will say, well, that's just because you hate Batman. Hmm. No. Uh, it's different because Wonder Woman has never been on the big screen before, and I feel like – you know, we're going we're gonna to mention the Wonder Woman Superman comic book later. I feel like Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman 2 together have had such a storied history over the years – and, and there's such a special relationship, whether it's a romance like it is currently in the comics or whether it's just colleagues fighting together for the same cause. They've had such a storied history together, and she's never been on the big screen. And I, I, I find myself very excited about this prospect. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, while I was you know, disappointed that you know, Batman was going to be introduced in what we thought was the Man of Steel sequel, um, to have Wonder Woman thrown in as well just gives me, you know, uh, a bit of uh, relief on that side of things because now it's not going to be all Batman stealing Superman's um, limelight. It's going to be, you know, here we are introducing a wider DC universe with these other characters and the possibility of, of even more superheroes being in it. While it's not an ideal Man of Steel sequel, it is great for DC Universe fans to be able to see a wider universe that has kicked off with the Man of Steel movie and will branch out into a wider DC universe of characters. I think that's exciting, and I think uh, we have to kind of let go of the fact that this isn't a Man of Steel sequel as such. It's a second movie that was kicked off by the Man of Steel movie. And it's, of course, you know, you mentioned that now it won't just be about Batman stealing Superman's limelight. Now it'll be about Batman, who is likely romantically involved with Wonder Woman, who together will steal Superman's <laughs> limelight. Uh, but uh, hopefully, I mean, I mentioned this 
in uh, a recent grade, Scott. I hope uh, they don't go in that direction. There's so many things I hope they don't do uh, that I seem to mention weekly on great Scott. But uh, I've never been a fan of the Batman Wonder Woman romance that happened on JLU. And I guess there have been some uh, comic interpretations of that romance as well. I don't feel it fits. I don't I don't I never buy it when I'm reading it. Uh, I much more buy a relationship between Superman and Wonder Woman that, of course, we know is ill-fated because, you know, the lowest thing is always going to happen. But um, I don't I don't like the idea of Batman and Wonder Woman being romantically linked. So the reason I bring this up is because for a long period of time, there was talk of a female lead for Batman being cast, a romantic interest for Batman being cast. And then the next real announcement that we had was Gal Gadot was was cast as Wonder Woman, which then made people think that that was one and the same, that they were looking for this female romantic interest for Batman. And it happened to be Wonder Woman. And that is still very likely. And there hasn't been any further word on that. And so hopefully for, for me, I will enjoy it more if there is no romantic connection there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about the whole romantic connection thing between Wonder Woman and anybody, but uh, in this movie, uh, I hope it's not the case like you said. Uh, but, you know, there's been some talk about Gal Gadot herself, you know, her the decision to cast her in the, in the role of Wonder Woman, whether or not she has the acting chops, but more importantly, whether she has the physicality of Wonder Woman. And people are saying she's too skinny, she doesn't have enough, ch you know, her chest is not big enough, you know, which is silly. Um, and, you know, she, she just doesn't seem to have the right hair or all these kind of things. We're seeing her in, you know, out of costume. I mean, Christopher Reeve, when he was cast as Superman, did not have the same hair color, did not have the build. He was a skinny stick figure of a guy who may have been athletic in some respects, but did not have the musculature of, of a Superman. And, you know, I'm sure just like he got built up and he was, you know, they colored his hair or put wig on or whatever they did for him to be able to fill the, the costume, they'll do the same thing for Gal Gadot as her, in her role as Wonder Woman. Uh, it just goes without saying that there's a lot of work to be done before she can put on the costume, and that work will happen. Well, if even if you look at the behind-the-scenes um, of, of how they train for Man of Steel, if you have the Blu-ray set or the DVD, you'll see there's a feature on there where they show the amount of work that go into the gym, even for the characters whose bodies you don't really see. Mm. You know, obviously Henry Cavill was going to have his shirt off for, for many of the, the shots. And, and Zack Snyder said the reason they wanted to do that, of course, is because they wanted to establish that this is Superman. It's not about the suit. It's not, you know, that he looks this way in the suit and out of the suit. And I think that's important. But, mm. um, you know, they, they, such work went into even uh, Feora. You know, they showed her, you know, moving the medicine, just giant medicine ball back and forth and doing squats with it and and twisting and turning and lifting these heavy bars over her head and really getting into good shape. Same with Michael Shannon and, of course, Henry Cavill. They all had to really work out heavily in order to get into just just, you know, fighting shape, even if you don't see their bodies, just mm -hmm. the idea yeah. of the way they had to move and the things they had to do. And knowing that it's the same team behind the movie I'm really not concerned about them knowing that Wonder Woman is a warrior and therefore will need to have the same type of training that Feora and that, that Henry Cavill had in order to get themselves into battle shape. 
Yeah, you're 100%. So uh, we'll wait and see uh, with interest what happens there with Gal Gadot as far as uh, seeing the first shots of her in the costume when she, you know, when they do finally release that, uh, probably towards the middle of next year. Um, it's going to be an interesting time. 2014 is going to be filled with these types of things uh, as we wait and see how this movie uh, progresses and what it's all about, what's the title, all that kind of stuff. We're waiting for all this to come out and uh, 2014 will be filled with that as we move closer to July 2015 when the movie is released. Now, another bit of casting rumour at this stage is no discussion as far as an official announcement is concerned but there have been talks about a number of actors possibly being up for roles uh, one of them being Jason Momoa who supposedly uh, is in talks for the uh, role in the movie uh, people will recognize him possibly from his role as Conan the Barbarian uh, he was also in TV shows like um, Stargate Atlantis and another actor was uh, Joaquin Phoenix who's also possibly up for the role of Lex Luthor. So a couple of names there being bandied about. Yeah, D Jason Momoa for me was, uh, he was on Game of Thrones, which mm -hmm. uh, is a pretty popular TV show. And uh, I love this guy on there, but he did not have, he didn't speak in the common language. So you, it was always subtitled and it was, it was very kind of subdued. But then on the other side of that, he was this grand warrior king who, had uh, apparently been in many battles and won his way to the kingship. And then after the fact, he kind of was just sitting there watching other people do things. But uh, he wasn't on there very long, but I always loved when they transitioned over. I always called them the Klingons of Game of Thrones because his, his, his race, the Dothraki, they, they say things like Klingons. They have those, those accents like Klingons do, and they're warriors, and they just fight and and beating each other up and causing injuries and things is a, is a cause for celebration. Even, even when they're celebrating something else, they, they break into battle with each other on the, and it's not anger. It's, you know, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And then I was looking forward to seeing uh, Conan the Barbarian because I remember those older movies and I remember they weren't exactly accurate to the character. And a lot of people obviously loved Arnold Schwarzenegger in the role, but would like to have seen a, more uh, accurate interpretation, and, and, and from what I have heard, I have not seen it. It wasn't a very good film, but this doesn't mean that uh, Jason Momoa couldn't be used in some capacity. I'm not really sure what they would use him for, but I, I had heard there was rumor that Doomsday was a possibility. This uh, Obviously, it's a rumor, but I would, be, I would be very disappointed if they went with a Lou Ferrigno idea for the Hulk uh, if they ever do Doomsday. I don't really believe we're at the point yet where they should be doing Doomsday. But if that were to be the case, for me, I think it should be a CGI Doomsday and there shouldn't be an actor involved uh, really at all. Uh, if, unless they go the Smallville route where he's a guy driving an ambulance for a while and then he becomes a monster <laughs> and he's Doomsday. But that would be kind of strange as well. And as far as Joaquin Phoenix... Other than myself, I can't, you know, I really don't think uh, there's a much better actor out there. I mean, I don't know as far as who we should go with specifically for Lex Luthor, uh, but I would like to play him. Uh, I'll make this shout out again to, to Zach. But uh, for, for Joaquin, I actually, you know, I never would have thought of it. But looking at him in the picture that you have there on the site and thinking about it, I've seen him in a number of films and 
obviously he's more into the independent type uh, award type films nowadays. But if he were to be cast as Lex Luthor, I actually think it would be a very interesting, uh, complicated uh, portrayal in that he would he would possibly do a very, very good job. Yeah, I'm with you there with Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, I remember hating him because of how good he was in The Gladiator uh, with Russell Crowe. Um, he, he was such a you know snivelling kind of uh, psychotic character that you just loved to hate. Uh, he was so good in that. I haven't seen him in um, the what's that one where he played that um, uh, the uh, the singer. Um, Oh, the Johnny Cash Johnny one, Cash, Ring of Fire, yeah. I think. Ring of Fire, I haven't seen that, so I can't... But obviously he was very good in that from all accounts. Uh, so it would be a, a choice of... A casting choice that would come out of left field for sure, but uh, just like with Heath Ledger with The Joker, I could definitely see uh, him doing a, you know great things with the role because he is a complicated actor. He does have a, a, quite a versatile range, and it could be it could be quite good. I would not be opposed to him... Uh, being cast as Lex Luthor, so uh, you know, let's see if that one does come through. But just to go back to what you were saying about uh, Momoa possibly being Doomsday, if they, you know, they wouldn't put a man in a in a costume like that. What they would do is, like you said, with Namek, you know, they'd have uh, possibly an actor who is in a uh, motion capture suit portraying the the movements of of uh, a Doomsday character. But you wouldn't then go casting someone like Jason Momoa. Uh, for that type of uh, activity, because he wouldn't be seen himself, it would be ridiculous. It would you'd just get someone like the guy who was placing playing Namek in Man of Steel, who I don't know if was a, a known name, but he had the physicality to play the role as far as the movements were concerned, and pulled it off so that they could then do the CGI version of the character, um, like they do with apes in Planet of the Apes or with Golem in. Um, in uh, the Hobbit movies and uh, Lord of the Rings. So uh, I don't see necessarily him coming out as being Doomsday. Uh, people are looking at him with his dreadlocks and things and saying automatically Lobo, just paint his face white. But that seems very, very um, immature in a, in a decision. You know, it just seems like that's, that's ridiculously simple. I wouldn't necessarily you know, think that that would be a possibility. It just seems like saying any Lex Luthor, any actor who's bald is going to be Lex Luthor. It just seems um, quite uh, quite a simple type, you know, uh, decision-making thing. And that, I think Zack Snyder's a bit more uh, of, a, of a smart director than that. Well, I, I think so, too. And, and now that you mention it, I guess I could see a motion capture type of thing. I mean, uh, with Gollum, there was a lot of acting that went on there, too. So mm. Andy Serkis, who played the character, who also played King Kong in, in Peter Jackson's uh, King Kong remake, got to do a lot of acting. There's a, there's a depth of character with Gollum as mm. he goes back and forth where he's kind of being the impish type, but then he goes to complete evil, and then he goes back, and there's a lot of dialogue. And all of that was used, his mouth, his eyes, his cheeks, everything about his performance, and he performed the whole thing. And then they, they went over it with the Gollum character for the CGI. With Doomsday, two things. Doomsday is at least twice the size of a regular-sized man. So you couldn't have a regular guy just painted gray or something being Doomsday. I think you need to have the CGI almost like the Hulk, just obviously looking like Doomsday. 
And also, there's no dialogue. Unless they change the character, mm. you wouldn't have an actor play him because there's no real acting. It's, you know, and that's a lot of people's complaint with the Doomsday character. He, he doesn't have much by way of character. He basically is just a wrecking machine who growls and, and, and kills things, and that's it. There's no, there's no depth of emotion in any way. He doesn't care one way or another. He doesn't have any thoughts on the matter. He just breaks things. So it's not really a, a – there wouldn't really be – and that's why they did what they did on Smallville. They wanted to have a season-long romantic, uh, you know, teenage lustful character that could then turn into a Hulk-like doomsday character later on to cause some issues, but – it wouldn't have worked for television to just have him come in throughout an entire season and growl and destroy things. So they had to try and do something like that. But if you were going to have Doomsday in a movie and be be more accurate to what his character actually is, casting an actor would seem absurd, as you said. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier in our discussions in regards to the script, uh, you know, we don't know what the story is, we don't know what it's going to be about, uh, we don't know what characters are in it, we've just been discussing things like Doomsday and Lex Luthor and, and Wonder Woman. Uh, we just learnt later in this month, uh, as we're recording this episode, that uh, Argo writer Chris Terrio has been hired by Warner Brothers, as according to The Hollywood Reporter, who would obviously not stake their reputation on something that they didn't have some kind of background information on. Uh, he has been hired by Warner Brothers to write the script from David Goya's screenplay. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what kind of an impact he has on on that script and how, you know the rewrites and whatever that are needed to uh, to get this movie into filming stage. Well, I find this very interesting on a number of levels. One, uh, was it David Goyer who wrote his own script from his screenplay uh, for Man of Steel? Yeah, well, accordingly, according to what we understood from the credits and everything, there was a story that, you know, David Goyer and, and uh, Zack Snyder and, you know, Chris Nolan kind of all kind of put together. I think Chris Nolan and David Goyer... Uh, took the idea to Warner Brothers originally, and that's why uh, Nolan was like a um, a producer on the movie, you know, Godfather role. They said uh, based on uh, idea that Goya came to him at uh, when he was having a a, a bit of a um, a writer's block on what was going on with the third Batman movie at the time. He'd you know put it aside and started working on something else just to uh, nut it out, but. Uh, I think this one is based on, you know, again on Goya's idea, and um, they've got Chris Terrio to come in and to uh, flesh out the script, rewrite the script, do drafts on the script. I don't know how it really works. I, I don't know what uh, the inside there is on on where it was at when they brought him in. Well, as I was saying, it's interesting, almost on a tri-level way. Um, Goya, from a story from himself, Zack Snyder. And Christopher Nolan wrote Man of Steel, and they they took and made a script written by Goyer from that, and they made the movie. There's a lot of disappointment in Man of Steel. I feel like um, I feel like a lot of what's going on with the new movie is 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 their attempt to try to rectify some of the things that they feel like must have been the problem with the original movie. This is all just speculation by me. But if if they were completely happy with what happened, I don't believe we would see 
all the things we are seeing. But I could be completely wrong. They may have planned to do this all along because they want to eventually get to a shared universe in Justice League. And I'm saying eventually they're there because they're doing it. The next movie, we're going to have a shared universe. So then the next thing would be, uh, unless this movie is going to turn into Justice League, uh, you know, a, a further expanded universe where we see Justice League. But the first interesting thing in the in, in this, uh, bringing this Chris Terrio on, is that they're not allowing, they're not allowing, and, 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 and it hasn't been said this way, but the only way to read this from my point of view is that they're not allowing the same creative forces who created the script for the last movie to create the script. The second part that I find is very interesting is that Ben Affleck, who directed Argo, starred in Argo, and was one of the creative forces behind Argo, and has now come on to this movie as Batman, worked with this guy, and now he's working on this movie. That's interesting because, and I said uh, several months ago when Affleck was cast, that probably as a big director nowadays, and as a guy who has never really been recognized for his acting, probably had some sort of precepts set up when he decided to take the role that he would somehow be further involved in the ongoing adventures of the DC universe. And this may be step one in that. Let me have creative input. Let me hire some of my guys. Let me bring in some people that I trust. And that is interesting because it opens up a lot of speculation for me as to how much input uh, one guy who is playing some sizable role in what's supposed to be a Man of Steel sequel, who clearly has a lot of power and a lot of influence in Hollywood, to bring in his own script writer because somehow the Man of Steel script people weren't good enough, and now they've brought in another guy. And none of that may be true, or parts of it may be true, but I find that to be the second part of why it's interesting. And the third part of why it's interesting is just because I feel like they've kind of already said, we've got all this done. You know, we, uh, you'd be surprised on how far we are. And two months ago, they were filming a football scene. And uh, now we find out that they're just hiring a scriptwriter. So I'm not sure what any of that means, but it is all very interesting. <laughs> interesting indeed. I don't, think that necessarily Goya is not being allowed to do this or not not being allowed to continue on with the movie because uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago that Warner Brothers signed him up for a three-year deal uh, to continue on working exclusively for them. So you wouldn't do that to someone of David Goya's uh, position, uh, sign him up for a three-year deal or whatever, if you were going to be saying, we don't trust this guy or we don't like what this guy is doing or we're going to take away... Uh, you know things from him, uh, so that doesn't ring true to me. I think what's happening. I is think that... maybe they like his story ideas, but 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 we're not happy enough. If they were happy enough with what he did with the script, then you wouldn't. Hi it doesn't say is being Chris Terrio is being brought in to write a script, co-write with David Goyer. It says that he's being brought in to write the script. In other words, David Goyer is not writing the script. Well, that was so, my yeah, wording, they like so his story I don't know ideas. if that's, I mean, that's how I worded it in the report on the website. I don't know if that's exactly what you could take from, uh, it's just saying that on the, the Hollywood Reporter uh, website, they're saying that um, he's bringing in Argo Rider into the Batman Superman universe, uh, says that um, 
Terrio has been brought in to get the script into shape before filming begins. Uh, that just might mean doing some rewrites, doing some, you know, some, some fix-ups, some, you know, some polishing, uh, because Goya is tied up with a number of other DC titles, including the recently announced Sandman movie. So it may just be a point that Goya is too busy at the moment to finish up on the script and, and tidy it up and bring it into working order. Uh, so they've got uh, Chris Terrio on board to, to help polish that up. Oh, very well. Uh, you're right. We don't know, I guess, if it just says he's bringing... I think if I was Goyer, I would feel like, what the hell, man? I'd be, you know, I, I did the last one. It made $600 million worldwide. It, you know, uh, biggest uh, DC origin story to date. So uh, what, what's, the, what's the big idea? Uh, but you're right. If he has so many projects going on and they have hired him for others... Uh, I, I know they like his story ideas. That's clear. He's already done the three Batman movies. Then they brought him in to do Man of Steel. And now he's involved in the second part of the Man of Steel story, whatever that's going to be, and involved in Sandman and some other projects. So I'm not saying they're firing him or moving him out. I'm just saying that it seemed interesting to me that uh, this Goyer seems to know how to work on a movie that that is a critical darling as opposed to just just making a lot of money uh, in a summer blockbuster sort of way. Mm. It, it will uh, be interesting to see exactly where that goes. I mean, Goya may have been the one who said to him, look, you know, I'm, I'm just too busy. I, ca I can't juggle all these things at the same time. Um, you know, it might be a good idea to bring somebody else in on, uh, you know, on this level to, to take over on polishing up the script that I've completed. Uh, to move forward into the filming uh, area of things, so we'll wait and see, um, you know, what kind of a credit he gets for for the uh, for the script once the movie is done and dusted. Yeah, before we move on from that, I did want to say if Joaquin Phoenix was to be involved, it's kind of cool because much like Amy Adams played a, a kind of a minor role in one episode of Ten Years of Smallville. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, many people probably don't know, was in a season one episode of uh, a Superboy, the Superboy television show, which lasted four years. Um, and he played, uh, he actually, he was called, uh, I forget what his name was. It wasn't even Joaquin, but it was Joaquin Phoenix in this role. And mm -hmm. he played this daydreaming boy who uh, at one point felt like he got the powers of Superboy because there were bullies beating him up. And it's very, very cheesy and silly, but uh, another interesting connection to the Superman DC universe before he's even cast. And obviously we're still at rumor stage, but uh, that would be uh, a neat little, another neat little Amy Adams type thing where, and it's happened in other uh, Superman media as well, where people are, uh, have been involved for many, many years and a lot of people don't even know. And then they show up in something else and they go, Oh yeah, I was involved uh, 10 years ago when I did this. And uh, it's interesting how the ball seems to keep coming back around to, to certain individuals. Yep. So uh, we move on to see what some of the other things that have been happening around, around about this movie. Um, there was an interesting comment by Henry Cavill in a video interview where he says that, um, to his way of thinking, Superman and Batman are two sides of the same coin, which is something that a lot of different writers, in, especially in the comic books, have. Yeah, that's been the way they've seen the two characters, especially when they come up to pair in a story. Um, I, I think he's got the, 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 you know, the right of it there with his comments. 
Well, certainly, and I was going to say it's not exactly the first time we've heard that said. And Cavill did say uh, during the filming of Man of Steel that he immersed himself in in many different comic book stories and learned about the history and knew a lot about the character uh, by doing his research. So I'm sure he's kind of read it in other places too and and kind of decided that 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 is that is the correct way to go about it and and then his thoughts uh probably echo a lot of people's thoughts in that uh, they are kind of uh and but they have to be separate sides because they go about their jobs in different ways but uh they are both and and you know in the end of it all as as, as much as everybody's jumping up and down or chomping at the bit about this being a batman versus superman movie uh they are however long it takes and however whatever processes they go through to get to it, they are allies and they do fight for the same side. So uh, being two sides of the same coin does make a lot of sense. So I think it's an apt analogy. And we got to see a very interesting, um, well, image uh, of Henry Cavill from 2004 when he tested for the Superman flyby movie that was in production or in pre-production, a screen test of him in the Superman costume. Yeah, I saw that picture. I mean, I didn't know exactly what to make of it in this day and age of people being able to Photoshop whatever they want or kind of come up with anything that they, that they can imagine. Um, I'm I'm wondering how authentic it is and then where exactly it's from, but it is but it is known that uh, he did he did uh, he was considered for a time. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems to have the the right markings and it's you know definitely Cavill in that in that costume that was shown for that movie and we've seen uh, different um, uh, figurines and uh, marquettes. That were created for that uh, movie, as in the the design of the costume, and we know that he was uh, cast at one stage by I think it was McGee before he stepped down from being the director, and then Brian Singer was brought on uh, and decided to go in a different direction and created Superman Returns with Brandon Routh in the role. So uh, you know, uh, we, and we've heard Cavill in, in interviews say that you know he was disappointed at the time, you know, uh, but he felt that. Maybe he wasn't even he wasn't ready, and he's glad that it's come you know came through to him now when he's a little bit older, a bit more experienced, and uh, has been able to enjoy his time as Superman and continues to, thanks to Man of Steel, and uh, he's casting as the character for that movie. This reminds me of something I've been wanting to say for a while. You know, people, I keep hearing you know w- whenever you put an announcement up on the site about a new animated feature that's going to be about Superman or have Superman in it or whenever we talk about the live action Superman movies and whenever we talk about how DC is moving forward and how it's going I I always hear a lot of people crying out Superman again can't we move on can't we get a flash can't we get a this can't we get a that why we've seen enough of it I just want to say no we haven't <laughs> I want to see I want to see super you know I was happy with Superman Returns in 2006. I would have been happy if there was a sequel. I'm thrilled with Man of Steel. I'm thrilled that we're getting some sort of a continuation and 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 10 or 15 or 20 years from now when this whole thing is over, I'll be thrilled when they go uh, with Superman again because if you look at the 20th century and you look at the advent of television and the advent of movies, you'll see Superman has always had a continuing presence there. 
Uh, Batman has had some to a lesser degree, and 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 people are right. Nobody else really has, uh, with the exception of a, a, an occasional short-lived TV show here and there. So I want to see more of that too. But I think we're going to continue to see Superman, and and I'm glad of that. So yeah, <laughs> keep it going, keep it going for sure. And uh, I'm sure we'll see our fair share of Batman in 2014 with him celebrating his 75th anniversary. It'll be interesting to see the comparisons from DC Comics, the way they celebrated Superman's 75th anniversary to the way they celebrate Batman's. Well, what is interesting is that Batman won't be getting a standalone movie in his actual anniversary year, and he will have to wait until the following year where he's sharing the screen with not only one hero, but a second hero who is supposed to be the title character in his own sequel. But at least we have we can, at least we can say that yeah now looking at the progress of this upcoming movie we've seen as you mentioned the fact that they did a sequence at a football stadium you know the the metropolis team versus the gotham team that's already been filmed it's probably just say some kind of a secondary thing a throwaway shot not a throwaway shot but you know it's not necessarily majorly important to uh, this story in itself, but uh, we know that they're going to be filming at the Kent Farmhouse again because they're reconstructing that building and that well that set of buildings, the the house and the barn. Uh, the progress of that continues. We've seen thanks to some of the fans, uh, some video footage and some photography of the progress on that reconstruction in Yorkville in Illinois. Both of which were completely decimated in the uh, in the Man of Steel film, by the way. So I'm not sure if we're going to actually see them being rebuilt or if if they're just going to be there and we're just going to kind of assume that they got rebuilt. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm sure with people of this caliber working on it, they haven't forgotten that they kind of destroyed both of those structures in the in the film. But uh, it is interesting. I. you know, I'm, I'm often reminded of, of the, the Donner slash Lester films where most of Superman 2 was filmed when they were doing Superman the movie. And uh, they only had to refilm some, some things and they had to hire some stand-ins for shots of people who didn't want to come back once Donner was. I, I, I always find it a little bit confounding that, that more movies don't do it this way. And maybe it's because... Superman Returns never had a sequel. Maybe it's it's because so many movies get made that they hope are going to be something and don't go anywhere that they don't want to that they don't want to put the. But I think you'd save a lot more money, and and you'd actually your budgets on each film would actually be much smaller if you kept sets and if you if you filmed both movies at the same time or at least bits and pieces of things at the same time. But I, I just don't know. I don't know what the logistics of doing something like that really are. So I'm not sure what reason they would have not to do that. Same thing with, I, I've, I've been seeing pictures of Henry Cavill popping up lately where he, he doesn't look much better bodily than I do. And I, I kind of look, uh, you know, somewhat athletic, but definitely not um, like Henry Cavill did in the movie. And people are kind of putting question mark. Oh, this is what our Superman looks like. And the thing is, some time has gone by. He's gotten off the regimen, and now they're getting ready to start filming already. So he's just going to have to put himself through hell again. And it just seems like if you kept yourself in that state or you were filming two movies back to back or at the same time, then all of that work wouldn't just go by the wayside and you wouldn't have to start from scratch again with all of the cost and all of the time that needed to be put in 
to just put it in again only two years later. Yeah, well, I guess at the time they'd only had the one movie written and they didn't know whether it was going to be successful or not. They were hoping it would be. Um, you know, obviously there was no talk of a Batman being in the movie then and, we, you know, the script hadn't been written. So, you know, it would be, I guess, next to impossible to film two movies uh, simultaneously if you didn't have that second movie written like they did with Superman the movie and Superman 2. Uh, or if you didn't know it was going to be a trilogy like they do, say, with the Hobbit movies, you know, they know that they're going to be doing three movies to make up the one story. So, uh, you know, they can keep everything in position for that. Um, and, you know, and then Henry's probably signed on to do other movies as he did. We know he's doing The Man from Uncle uh, while in between Man of Steel and uh, the, the next movie uh, with Batman. So uh, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I'm sure they had certain things stored away, certain uh, props and things stored away for uh, future movies just in case. But with sets that are, just, that are actually on location, like this one at a farm where you can't keep security there to protect it, for that length of time, um, it be probably becomes uh, problematic to you know keep them in position or not tear them down in between uh, movies because of you know you, you just logistically it's impossible. But I'm sure you know certain sound stages and things they've got things stored away and and props and things ready to go for the next movie that can be reused. You wouldn't think his body being in tip-top shape would be a problem for any role he was, you know, especially in oh, well, Man from Uncle, where yeah, I mean, I guess if you don't want to be, be a, beefy, a super secret guy. agent, but I guess I mean I don't know. I, I not not to say that anybody's looking to to Sylvester Stallone for their best uh, acting roles, but he was pretty much a uh, rock solid in every movie he's been in, except for maybe Copland where they specifically wanted him to be, you know, kind of chubby and, and, you know, uh, out of his element for, for in terms of being a great cop or whatever. But if you're being a super secret agent, I would think any kind of body type that, that is above being a schlub would work. And if, if even in a romantic lead, you know, they cast, uh, they cast muscly, uh, cute guys that the girls are going to want to look at. So I'm not really sure how that would ever be a detriment. You know, a lot of people have told me in my own attempts at getting my acting career started that I should just become like Vin Diesel. And then people just cast me because I have that body, which may be true, but you may not get the kind of roles you want. But I just don't think once you're at that and once you're getting big blockbuster roles that it would that it would be anything people would frown upon. It seems like it's anything – everything about it is positive, but I guess uh, I I understand uh, that some roles don't call for it. Yeah, I guess it's just also for him, logistically, being able to keep in shape and train with those specialised trainers uh, on an ongoing, it just becomes impractical. Uh, I think he's even said it in interviews when people have asked him about keeping in shape. It's just... He said, "Go through hell," and he and they, you know, the amount of training and things to get into that Superman shape is not necessarily feasible twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year. That's true. But somebody like The Rock, who I'm not entirely sure hasn't done some number of drugs in order to get where he's at, but you know, he taught when he talks about his diet, he has to take in just 5,000, 6,000 calories a day just to keep his physique. And he still only works out three or four days a week from what I've been hearing and not anywhere near the extent that uh, Henry Cavill had to do because he was going from zero to 60 
in only a in only a three month or however long period. Whereas the Rock has sustained this for years and years, and now his body is just that way as long as he does the workout that he needs to do and mm. you know keeps the calories going. But who knows how exactly it works for people or what's true. Yeah, exactly. Now, on a bit of sad news, we uh, lost a, a a classic actor, a well-known actor in Peter O'Toole, and people may not remember that he actually played Zoltar in the Supergirl movie uh, alongside Helen Slater, and uh, it was uh, not necessarily one of his biggest roles or one of his most well-known roles, but Superman and Supergirl fans will remember him forever in that role. Uh, he was aged 81 and, from all reports, died peacefully in hospital. It would have been awful nice if he had played uh, Zorel, uh, her 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 father, instead of a made-up character for the film, which the film itself wasn't particularly well received. It was kind of uh, it was made, I think, almost on a whim. Uh, during a break in the Christopher Reeve films, and they kind of wrote off Superman as being off in another universe, uh, saving a planet somewhere. But uh, Helen Slater obviously was was great in the role, and uh, and and I I still remember seeing her and Peter O'Toole in that kind of uh, that tunnel, that vortex uh, where they were reaching, trying to get out, and. And uh, he, I guess, I think he makes a sacrifice to let her get out, mm-hmm. and, and he gets sucked in or something. And um, uh, so, so for me, obviously, he he's been in a lot of classic films, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, for me, that's what I remember him in because uh, you know that's my wheelhouse, the Superman family and and Supergirl. And I loved that movie when I when I was young. So. Um, we obviously, uh, our, our wishes go out to the, to the family and, uh, it's a, uh, sad, sad moment in, in, uh, Superman history. Yeah. So our condolences to the family of Peter O'Toole at his passing. Now, the only other Superman movie news or in the realms of, of the movie industry is the, uh, limited edition two CD soundtrack for Superman Returns that has been released by La La Land Records as of December 3rd. Um, They were selling a limited edition. I think it was only 3,000 units. They're selling fast. Um, Even some of them for the first, uh, I think it might have been 1,000 or 500, I'm not sure how many, were actually signed by John Ottman. They've all sold out already, but uh, I believe it is still available at lalalandrecords.com. Uh, we are giving away three copies at the Superman homepage until January 9th. That competition runs. Uh, I've got my copy. It is fantastic. I love listening to this soundtrack. Uh, the movie mate itself may have disappointed some fans, but I don't remember hearing anybody who was disappointed by the soundtrack itself. I love the soundtrack, and obviously it was built upon the uh, John Williams uh, original Superman series soundtrack, but uh, I, I was kind of surprised at this announcement. I guess they're trying to, you know, it's still part of the 75th anniversary, and it's and they're trying to, uh, you know, build some of their own sales based upon the success of Superman in 2013 and, and Man of Steel. And uh, but it does seem a little out of time in terms of uh, how long it took to come out with a limited edition soundtrack to a movie uh, from almost 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, well, uh, it's not from. I mean, Warner Brothers obviously had to be involved, but La La Land Records do a great job of releasing these uh, soundtracks that 
have bonus material that's never been released before, previously unreleased, um, including, you know, for this in the uh, second disc, there's the Return to Krypton uh, mock-up that uh, John Ottman did for that sec segment that was uh, not included in the movie. It was cut out off of the uh, theatrical release of the film. Uh, there's even that As Time Goes By segment at the beginning of the movie, you know, that what usually accompanies the Warner Brothers logo and how they added a the little bit of a fanfare at the end of that that sounded like the Superman fanfare. Uh, that's even included on the disc. Uh, things like the Heart and Soul uh, piano, that's uh, little Jason's playing. Is his name Jason? Little boy? Uh, I think. Or is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, the, uh, him playing that on the, on the um, piano in, in the house when uh, they're waiting for him, Lois, and um, uh, he's talking about, you know, having, preparing dinner and the, the takeaway Chinese, whatever it is that they're setting up to have as dinner. And Superman's looking in on, on them as they're having the discussion about, you know, was she in love with him? Uh, even that's that little piano riff there is is included on the CD, uh, and you know just some of these bonus stuff that's in there is just fantastic to hear and to have on uh, on CD. For all of you who wanted to be reminded of peeping Tom Superman <laughs> checking out uh, Lois uh, from outside, uh, you should get this disc because it's there. Uh, I never had a problem with it, but that is definitely one of the. Uh, Issues I always hear, you know, he's a stalker. He's this is that. I mean, isn't isn't Superman just by his very nature kind of in that mode all the time? He's always looking in on people. He's always listening on people. He's always checking people out to make sure that they don't need help or he can hear. You know, he's floating above the earth and he's listening to people who need help. He's technically listening in on whatever conversations, whatever else is going on until he hones in on the issue at hand. I mean, I just think that if you if you say in one moment he's a stalker because he's checking in on Lois, the love of his life, to make sure that she's okay, that makes him a stalker. Then I think any of the times he shows up just before she falls off a building, he's being a stalker. Because you could turn around and say, why are you here? What are you following me? What, what are you watching me? What are you – I mean at any point you could say that. So it always – it always miffs me when uh, when when those types of complaints are made because I I felt that was an emotional moment in the film and I felt like he was heartbroken but he wanted to check and see how it was going and making sure that everything was as it seemed and when he saw that it was he flew off. I don't think he spent too much time there. I don't think he was lingering watching them have sex. I think he <laughs> you know listened, checked to make sure she was good and happy and that that she wasn't just lying to him because she was pissed off or whatever, and then he and he and he left. I think that's what Superman does. I don't I don't mean that he peeping toms on people. I just mean that I I think he checks up on people to make sure they're okay. Yeah, but the the soundtrack itself, this limited edition soundtrack from La La Land Records, is uh, highly recommended. Uh, I've listened to it full in in full the two CDs. So uh, go ahead and pick it up from La La Land Records dot com. Uh, we are giving away three copies, as I said, on the Superman homepage. So head to the website now to get your entry in to that contest, which ends January 9th. Uh, and that's it for our movie talk. Uh, there is one aspect of TV discussions. We don't have much these days in the world of TV land to, to talk about here on our podcast. But there was a rumor uh, circulating that DC Entertainment and the CW are preparing a live-action TV series 
uh, based on the Young Justice characters? <sighs> hmm. Well, I I have to say to that that I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. A, B. Uh, they are. It it does seem like they are introducing many more characters to television uh, currently through Arrow, uh, and then I guess the rumor is Flash is going to get a series be- based on the Arrow Flash episode. Um, the weird thing about that is they introduced a ton of characters on Smallville, and Arrow Arrow very much reminds me of Smallville as far as bringing in other DC characters and kind of expanding the universe of Arrow to include other members of the DC universe the same way that we're talking about the movies are going to do that. And then some people are are saying that there are rumors that the TV Arrow show and the universe there are going to be linked to the movie universe. And I don't know if I like that. I don't know if that would work. Mm. I don't know if they should do that. And obviously we don't know if they are doing that. It's a rumor. But, uh, But I do, but I am surprised that uh, for a 10-year program that Smallville was and and successful, albeit on a smaller-tiered network that didn't need as much success as it was, that they didn't try to spin off anybody from that. But uh, they are supposedly doing that with the, uh, with the Arrow show. And so I guess it's possible that a Young Justice type... First of all, I don't... As far as I know... That team of superheroes was never called Young Justice before the animated show, mm. but maybe I'm wrong. I, I think, think they, they've been the Teen, teen Titans and things, whatever. But I loved the animated show. I can only imagine that it's not going to be based on the animated show. But it does seem odd that they would try and adapt a, a canceled, possibly unpopular, not high rated enough to keep on the Cartoon Network show into a live action series, but I like any superhero type stuff I can get. And obviously if it's linked into the Superman universe, as far as, um, uh, Connor being, being in the, the young justice animated show, who knows? I mean, anything's, everything's exciting and things I'm hearing about nowadays with TV and, you know, Marvel just signed this deal with Netflix to, to have uh, a direct release, uh, Netflix, uh, Marvel shows in the future. You know, the, the, the more expansive you get and, and when you put on when you put superhero shows on on kind of premium networks and premium channels, I just think you can go much further with what you're doing as opposed to being Smallville or Arrow on a network aimed at teenage girls. And, and you can only stretch the envelope as, as far as keeping their attention with teen angst and romance. But uh, I'm very excited, the age we live in and the things that seem to be coming out. So I guess anything is possible. Yeah, well, I mean, this is uh, from the announcement that we saw on BleedingCool.com, supposedly a live-action teen drama slash romance series with a superhero twist. Uh, So being on the CW from that description makes sense. Uh, But reports are that Superboy and Miss Martian will lead the team of young superheroes, but as we said, no official announcement as yet. Uh, it's something that they may be looking at for 2015. So we'll wait and see if there's any further outcome from this. I mean, we heard of other different movies. There was supposed to be a, um, uh, a Wonder Twins movie being um, prepared <laughs> at one stage. There was, uh, yeah, there was talk of a Siegel and Schuster movie being produced. You know, the story of would Gleek would do, would the monkey be in the movie if they were gonna? 
Gleek the monkey, would he be there? Who knows? Uh, they could do anything I'm like you said. I'm not seeing Wonder Twins movie if Gleek is not in. No, exactly. Purple in fact, monkey, I fast-forwarded monkey. through the Wonder Twins episode of Smallville looking for the monkey. Yeah. And when I realized the monkey wasn't there, I turned it right off. <laughs> so there you are. There's some rumors about a uh, possible TV show involving a Superboy character for 2015. Uh, nothing in the, in the headlights for 2014 for the Superman fans that we know of. Uh, so we, uh, we'll move into talking about comic books now, um, where we see that DC Comics have announced a new weekly series. Uh, there was a, a 52 weekly series, uh, was the last one that I remember, uh, that went for the whole year. Uh, they're announcing a Futures End series that looks like setting the comics up, uh, five years down the track, five years in the future. Yeah, it's... It's weird, you know, when I first heard the announcement, my thinking was, oh, here we go. We're seeing the uh, dismantling of the the new 52 already, um, which I think is still possible. Uh, but, um, you know, who knows exactly where they're it's just, The weird thing about it is it seems like ever since, to me, it seems like ever since the new 52 was launched, every few months they're – they're either backtracking years or they're going forward years or they're showing us what's going on in another version of the universe. It almost seems like they really don't want to be in the universe that they've set up as the new 52. And now we have another weekly series coming where we're seeing another five years into the future where, you know, justice league was set five years into the future from action comics and Superman. The book was set initially five years into the future from where action comics was. And now they're all kind of sometimes taking place at the same time, but sometimes not. And now we have another book coming out. That's also not to take place in, in the proper continuity universe. So I'm not exactly sure who's, it seems like there's a team or a guy or a woman or somebody that is running it that really likes the idea of, not really staying in one spot in time. And I don't mean time travel stories. I mean whole continuities within this continuity that are set either five years in the past or five years in the future, but none, not not set here in the present now. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. It seems like they do seem to jump around and look at other alternative realities a lot lately uh, with you know Earth 2, Earth 3, all these different things that they're looking at. Uh, that seem to be focusing outside of the current continuity of the New 52. Uh, this uh, Futures End series uh, will be done by writers Jeff Lemire, Keith Giffen, Brian Azzarello and Dan Jurgen. so a number of very big names there. And there will be... It's uh, Lemire calls the New Weekly series an exploration of DC's past, present and future. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, weekly series is always interesting to see how they can keep on track and 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 manage to you know get a weekly series out on time each week, um, and and seeing where the current crop of New Fifty Two characters how they look five years down the track. I mean, we we're already seeing a Justice League three thousand comic book series, which looks at them a thousand years into the future. Um, and that wasn't that well received from the first issue. So I don't know. Future's End. I guess I'll I'll, I'll give it a look. See, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, again, uh, bouncing around and and now showing us another yet another version of, uh, I guess the same characters five years from now. And 
uh, and, and how they end up. And of course, depending on where they go, you kind of get that whole back to the future vibe. Like, is this, is this the way things have to be the way they're going to be? Mm. Because you're showing us this, that, that this is the future, whatever it is that happens. I remember an episode of Star Trek, the next generation where, uh, I guess Deanna Troy was dead and, and Riker and Worf were at odds with each other because they both loved her and Worf married her and Riker never got over it or whatever. And, and the whole idea there was that, no, this isn't how it was. It's gonna has to be because you can change things now. Or So I guess anytime you read a story, the yeah, same thing happened with Back to the Future. Doc says at the end, you know, no, your future isn't written. That's the great thing about the future. You can make it anything you want. But so we just saw a whole series of movies that mean nothing because they're not, that didn't happen and isn't going to happen. Same thing with, I guess, uh, a series of comic books set into the future where the future isn't set. Mm, like uh, Kingdom Come was one of a perfect example of a possible future. That's right. Future. Uh, talking That's about correct. possible yeah. alternate timelines and alternate things that are happening going back in the past this time krypton returns uh, a saga that ended with issues number 25 of superboy supergirl and superman uh has now concluded in these uh, regular monthly superman uh, family of books uh i was not sold on this story from the beginning and was not really sold on it by its end uh were you completely happy with it no, I mean I'm in the same place that you are, uh, and and to be completely honest, my my reading has gone down tremendously. I I I, I do what I need to do to 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 talk about the books and talk about what's going on, but I I find in all aspects of the Superman family, I'm just not inter- I'm not really interested in reading uh, these a lot of these stories anymore. I just don't care. Um, you know, we mentioned before that Superman Batman is kind of keeping our attention at the moment. Superman Wonder Woman is interesting, but the but the universe proper stories are just they just never for me never hit their stride and just aren't doing it for me. And this story bothers me on so many levels. Uh, I haven't liked Superboy uh, since the new launch. I haven't liked the writing teams. I haven't liked the art. I haven't enjoyed what they've done. It seems like almost every book is the same episode over and over again. Uh, he's uh, under control by somebody. He's fighting for control with somebody. He's angry that someone used to control him. It's all about this control thing. And now we have another boy that's under control of someone. And and let me get this straight. We're losing Khan who was trying to be a good guy and wasn't always successful at it. A lot of times because he was under control of other people and then got pissed about it and lit Christmas trees on fire and stuff. But then we're getting we're gaining a new Superboy who in the ongoing title monthly will be evil. Is that do I do I have am I? Yeah, he's the the future son of Superman and possibly Lois Lane called John Lane Kent, who has come and is now. Uh, masquerading as the Superboy that the Teen Titans think they know, uh, but the Superboy that we know has died in the end of the Krypton Return saga. He's sacrificed himself. We don't know if he'll return in the future. It appears that he's died. Uh, and, yeah, I, I don't know if this is a, a, a permanent thing, whether it's just a story they want to tell to, to you know, uh, make it uh, a bit of a, a mystery that we are in on, but nobody else knows that this Superboy character isn't who they think he is, 
and he is evil, but he's masquerading at the moment as the, the real Superboy and has his own agenda and, and possibly the agenda of somebody who's whispering in his ear, uh, telling him, you know, challenging him. So, yeah, I'm not sure where that's going. I will give it a chance. The Superboy book, for me, has been the, the weakest of the F- Superman family of books. So I can understand them trying to change it up, but this is not something that I necessarily was expecting or was necessarily happy about, but, you know, I'll give it a try. But the the Krypton Return saga itself was a bit convoluted. I'm all for time travel stories. I love them, but this one just seemed to be very... A lot of things happen in the three timelines that there was no way the character who was like Superboy was in the middle of the of or the end of the time stream in the middle of I can't even remember where he was in the, in the three <laughs> characters. Yet he knew what was happening or guessed what was happening somehow with Supergirl who was in you know hundreds of years in the past during the Clone War and because of of injuries that Hell was sustaining, he just assumed or guessed or somehow knew that. They were wounds that Supergirl had inflicted on him in a previous timeline that he happened to also be, um, you know, in as well. So just too many things just seem to be guesswork from the characters. They just happen to know them out of the blue that they would really know, have no way of knowing. And that kind of ruined the story for me. Well, part of the issue, I think, is because technically these books are shorter than they've ever been and and these and they're they're they they tried to cram so much into what is it four issues to tell this massive time travel story with with uh, three members of the superman family traveling to various points in krypton's past and fighting various battles with various enemies all at the same time but all at different time eras and all crammed into a 20-page story each time around. And sometimes it seemed like writers and artists, you know, are having trouble keeping deadlines. So I think they, they shorten the amount of work they have to put in in order to make that deadline. And I think in the shortening of that, they've added more more ads and they're trying to sell other books and they're trying to sell products at the same time, which all makes sense from a business standpoint. And they're also trying to go digital and they're trying to interest more people and they're trying to be cool and sleek and you know, and in shortening the books, I think something has been lost. And I think in trying to tell a massive story over over three different books with three different members of the Superman family uh, who are fighting different battles, you know, on a planet that no longer exists throughout various t- positions in time, I think you need more pages and more time. So if that means doing uh, eight books instead of six, or if that means doing 12 books instead of six, Whatever or, you know, in order to expand upon the things that you found and other readers found confusing and said that there was no way to explain, I think that's because they were too busy trying to rush on to the next set piece, next action shot, the next thing that was going to happen as opposed to explaining what had already happened. Yeah, it's sad that uh, it it didn't pan out the way we'd hoped because we'd seen these ideas of them being in the past in Krypton way back months and months ago and had kind of been looking forward to seeing how that finally was uh, wrapped up and to see those threads uh, taken uh, on and and run with. But uh, sadly, it it wasn't to my liking. Uh, It wasn't uh, wasn't a bad story, but like you said, it felt a bit rushed and it felt uh, just like too much was uh, just taken for granted, and the story just uh, didn't uh, win me over. But uh, stories that seem to be doing a bit better, uh, the Batman-Superman book, uh, which issue number six 
it's an interesting concept, this whole idea of a virtual reality with Jimmy Olsen being one of the gamers who thinks he's just playing with a virtual Batman and a virtual Superman in this video game. But it seems that Batman and Superman are real and there's a real ramifications for what these gamers are doing. I don't know if it's a real, if it's our reality or whether the characters themselves are thinking that it's a reality. It, but it's it's got me intrigued. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm not loving it. It's uh, what is it? Five and six now that we're in this story um, with uh, the gamers and all, or is it only one book? I can't remember. Uh, well, it's, I think uh, but it's I, been the two issues so far that I recall, five and six. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, and it just seems—it seems like a stretch. And and here we are again with with Batman and Superman getting to fight each other, and of course, Batman has powers, and and which which on one hand I I relish in because to me that's the only way that there should ever be a scenario where these two people can fight each other that Batman has to have powers of some kind. Uh, and even then, since, since Superman has the greatest powers of all of the DC heroes, what powers would Batman be given to where that fight still wouldn't be over fairly quickly. But again, this is broken record territory for me. So I'm just going to say that the story seems a bit outlandish to me. Yeah. Well, that's what I was alluding to the fact that it seems not necessarily be in our real universe that it could be in some other you know virtual reality really but the characters seem to think that they're real and now the gamers think that that the characters they're playing with are real and while batman has been killed and come back with powers or it's i'm intrigued just to see where it is where where it plays out it's like we aren't given all the details yet and so that's kind of got me intrigued well this is another book where i go back to what i was saying before about the seemingly inability to stay within one continuity or one story, even within one book. Uh, obviously, this Batman-Superman book takes place at some time none of us are aware of because the two characters made it clear they didn't meet each other before that meeting with Green Lantern in Justice League number one, I think it was. But OK, so we're in another, you know, kind of like Adventures of Superman. We're in our own thing. We're reading it. It's kind of entertaining to see these two characters together. But. Since the beginning, there hasn't been a straightforward story. It's all been let's jump around. There's a demon taking things over. There's we're you know we're meeting when uh, Jonathan Kent and Martha when they're alive. We're meeting another version of Superman, and we're going to talk to each other. We're going to make fun of each other. We're meeting another Batman who doesn't like Superman, and now we meet the Batman from the future who does like Superman. It's all very. Jumbled. Just convoluted and 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 jumbled up and and just everywhere, instead of just being a straightforward story. And maybe that's they don't want to do a straightforward story. Uh, but I guess if if for me if that continues and and every story is just going to be a what what what's going on here confusing confusion fest. I don't know that I'm going to continue even trying to read. Mm. No, fair enough. I understand where you're coming from. Uh... This particular story just had me intrigued, but I, I do get where you're coming from as far as this title having jumped around into different time streams, different realities, and we just seem to be doing that now with another virtual reality in a game. So uh, I can understand your frustrations there. Uh, the uh, particular story has me intrigued, but yeah, I, I know where, you, where you're coming from with those uh, complaints. One title with when 
Grant Morrison was running it, which was a big time complaint for me, uh, seems to have kind of settled down a bit in action comics. It's outside of the Superman, Supergirl, Superboy stuff that's been going on with the Krypton Return saga. Uh, but here in action comics number 26, we have this uh, giant monster that's, you know, can you know, the continuation of this story where with the Lana Lane kind of thing involved and this uh, giant monster has, uh, you know, been attacking and then Superman realises that maybe it's not just a, a, a mindless beast that's just destroying things, that is, you know, it's, there's something more to it. Uh, but in trying to then work it out and save the monster, he's attacked by this, I don't know, this ghost soldier guy. Uh, and then ends up taking the, you know, he makes out like he's destroyed the, the creature or thrown it out into space, but uh, he takes it with him to the Fortress of Solitude where he's uh, got it confined so that uh, he can, uh, you know, work out what's going on and uh, a very interesting ending to that story. Yeah, it was strange. I, I kind of like it. It reminded me of the uh, Adventures of Superman uh, book, uh, you know, the digital thing that's released where... Mm-hmm where Superman was protecting that baby that, that yeah, uh, yeah. I guess intruders from another world were trying to, um, it reminded me of that. And I liked that story a lot when I read it there. So I kind of like the idea that it looked as though, you know, we're in the action title and, you know, Grant Morrison was saying at the beginning when that started, that the title is going to live up to its name. It's going to be action. There's going to be a ton of it. There's always going to, you know, this monster shows up and Superman immediately, uh, as he is often want to do, springs into action and immediately uh, starts fighting the creature. But then is smart enough to realize that the creature's trying to communicate in one way or another. And he realizes that maybe they shouldn't be fighting. And, of course, we end up with uh, it being able to take the form of a, of a humanoid uh, baby. Um, and, and, of course, Superman, being the hero that he is, uh, stands up for everyone. So he tries to stop the attack that's going on when the monster is, is fighting and they're hitting it with missiles or whatever. And then he rescues him and takes him to the Fortress of Solitude to get him away from um, the, the the people who were, were – and he was one of them at first mm. – were trying to stop him and hurt him. So I like that. I like, I like seeing the other side to that. I like seeing Superman um, realize that he's making a mistake in terms of just rushing forward with things. Yeah, using his brains instead of just his fists. So uh... – uh, it's it'll be interesting to see now what happens with that creature because of what ended up happening at the end of that story and how it's uh, changed. Uh, we will see where that goes in Action Comics 27 uh, when we get to read that. Now, the only other comic book that I wanted to discuss before we move on is the other team-up book, and that's the Superman Wonder Woman uh, book, and that is really getting really interesting. That, that to me, is probably the best book of the Superman uh, monthlies at the moment, uh, issue number three, we see this whole element of, uh, well, on one hand, Superman's trying to deal with all the excess energy that uh, was given to him in his previous battle where he was just given so much sunlight and now he's kind of trying to shake it off on the moon uh, and he has this chat with Batman. And it's interesting the dynamic there between Superman and Batman because Superman just needs someone to listen to him and just wants someone to, you know, a shoulder to cry on, so to speak, just to, to help him work through his what's going on with him. And on the other hand, you get the feeling that Batman's using this as a uh, an information-seeking uh you know, conversation and, and, you know, maybe cataloging it in his memory banks for uh, future 
um, info, you know, future something you can use against Superman down the line. You, you just don't get the feeling that Batman's being as as honest with Superman as Superman is with Batman. And then you have Wonder Woman who's trying to fit into Superman's world, and you realise that they are quite different, even though they are very similar, you know, in some respects. Uh, you know, he's got this whole thing of Christmas, and she doesn't understand it, and trying to work out what to get him, and you know, tries to to do something nice for him, and uh, and then all hell breaks loose at the end. <laughs> well, I think one of my problems with Batman over the last several years, and he wasn't always like this, is that, and and it seems like fans like this, and it, it seems like that's why they're sticking with it, is that he's not anybody's friend he's not anybody that you can really trust at any point um you know in a battle he's there he's got your back okay um but 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 when you're talking to him or when he's at home by himself he's always brewing up potions to destroy the rest of the justice league he's always coming up with schemes he's always logging things away to try and make sure that if he ever needs to use it against you, he can. This is the kind of backhanded friend that nobody needs. Like if mm. I had friends like Batman, I wouldn't need enemies. Yep. Uh, not that he's hurting them, not that he's doing terrible things to him, but it's like if, if every one of your friends acted the way Batman does, you'd have to worry about anything you said, anything you did, anywhere you went or, or anything that happened when you were near this person because you wouldn't know what he was going to do with it. Yeah. I, I just don't like it. And that's why that is why truly, if we boil it down, most of my ire comes with the Batman character over the last, I guess, 20 years or so, 15 years, whenever it happened that he needs to be the one is always suspicious of everybody and, and needs to make sure he has contingency plans. And on its face, it makes sense. I understand a human uh, in the midst of all these superpowered beings who could have a concern. I like these people. They're my friends. They're clearly doing good things. But what if one day they weren't? Okay. But when, when it, when it's just, when it just, when it just bleeds over to every single story and every single conversation and, and, and every altercation between every character that Batman has, it, it gets grating, at least for me. Mm, no, I'm with you. It's probably why I'm not a big fan of the character either. But uh, on the Superman, Wonder Woman side of things, you know, there are a lot of fans who aren't, you know, uh, okay with their relationship. I think this is interesting because now the story is turning to where the wide world out there will in the comic book land will know about their relationship and it'll be interesting to see what type of reactions people in the comic book world have to finding out that Superman and Wonder Woman are together and how that correlates with fans and their reactions to Superman and Wonder Woman being together. I love how they have Wonder Woman shopping for mm. presents. That's funny. <laughs> you know, uh the Amazon princess, the the warrior, you know, she's out there trying to find a, a Christmas present for farm boy Superman, but, uh, it's cute. And it is kind of, you know, there are things going on that, that, that go on in regular relationships, but at the same time you have two people who are like, uh, who are godlike, you know, flying around and getting into massive battles and standing on the moon and, <laughs> you know, pondering what it means to be this person who thinks he's a human, but clearly isn't a human. And, wants to live within humanity and and wants to have these human traditions but but at the same time 
uh, you know, on the one hand, I can understand Batman's reaction, and that is, you know, you're not that, and 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 neither is Wonder Woman, and 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 the problem between the two of you is that she knows that, and she's fine with it, and you're not, mm. and and that's where your issues are going to come in the future as far as trying to keep this thing going, because she's never really going to accept you fully in terms of, you know, why don't you come into your own and be the God that you are? And you're never going to really understand why she kind of knows and realizes she's above it all and, and doesn't have those traditions. So yes, it is interesting. And, uh, I do, I don't really have a problem with yet with the Superman wonder woman book. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. That's a change of pace, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm keen to see where this one goes. It usually goes to the top of my reading list when uh, when a new issue comes out, so I'll be uh, watching with interest for issue number four. All right, well, that's our comic book uh, talk done and dusted. Uh, this one's interesting. I know you're going to rant about this one, so um, Mark Toberoff is back. He's petitioning for a rehearing in the Superman copyright case. The never-ending battle continues, Steve. It's it one of those things that I've been pretty sure is just not going to end. You know, we, even when it was announced, oh, it's over. It's finished. It's done. You know, uh, uh, this is it. The rights are reverted back to DC. You guys are done. Get out of here. I was kind of like, for now, <laughs> they're done. <laughs> Get out of here. But the way it works, you know, you live in, in, a, in, a, in a place where I feel like your laws can't possibly be as as crazy um, uh, with with underlining subtext that people can root out and 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 use to their advantage over and over and over again. You know, I feel like I haven't read your law books, but I feel like it's it probably says something like this: This is the way it is, and when it happens, it's done. Period. And there's no like Article Seven and a and B and six and 17. And if you do this and if the sun, if the sun was kind of low in the sky that day, then, then, then you can do this again. And if it was raining, then you can't. And I just feel like it's very convoluted, our law system. And then there's like so many different, you know, you couldn't read it. Like if you picked it up, you know, 7,000 pages on one sentence, it's ridiculous. Anything I've ever heard, it looks like, you know, some of the things you've posted over the years, about these law things in, in the case. And they're like, it's like 19 pages for one explanation of one thing that might've been said and probably wasn't even used in the case. And you're reading it and, and they're using all these, these law terms and legal words. And it's, it's worded in such a way that, you know, you read like a paragraph and you go, uh, I don't know what I just read. And you go back and you read it again and you still really don't know what you just read. And and I guess lawyers know and judges know, but it's it just seems like it could be it could be much more simple and things would go a lot more smoothly. And obviously, everybody should be entitled to whatever the law says their rights are. So when when, you know, we're going to hear it again as far as when fans say. What's wrong with these people? You know, uh, they're the ones breaking the law. It's clear that D.C. has had this whatever. But we know that in copyright law, the way it works in America, we don't know it in and out, but we know that after a certain amount of time, the original owners are able to petition for legal ownership again, and they've done that 
over and over again over the last 25 years. And uh, uh, every time they've been shot down for whatever reason, and I think part of it, I've said before, has to do with DC changing up the costume, changing up the history, changing up the characters, and making it seem like it's not the same Superman that it was when the families owned it. So it again, and now a judge has declared that it's over and finished. And now, of course, Tobaroff is back as he, I feel like, uh, like a bad penny will always turn up. Yeah, I mean, he has petitioned for a rehearing, so we don't know if it will be uh, uh, agreed on or if they'll accept that or if it will be, happen. So we'll wait. It was, we will see. Um, I Really, there is not much more to add at this point in time. It's We've done it, we've gone over it and over it and over it and over it again. Um, I think it, he is just unwilling to let this go. I, I don't, there aren't many people out there in the legal world who I've spoken to who think that he has any kind of, um, you know, there's anything for him to grab onto. He's just trying to throw every single straw that he's got left in his in his you know uh, in his hand and and try to see if anything sticks. But at this point in time, uh, his petition for a rehearing. We'll wait to see if it, that petition is granted or not, uh, and whether or not he has anything else to be able to add that they haven't already gone over and over and over and over and over again. So. Uh, but that's where it's at at this stage, so we'll keep you posted if anything new develops on well, that. Well, he's persistent. Front. you, you gotta give You've got to give him that, yeah. <laughs> like a and if you, if you have a lawyer that's supposed to be working for you to try to win something, I guess that would be what you want. So he's doing his job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never uh, be con- He doesn't uh, give up, you know. That's I mean, I'd sure. have given up already, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, we'll good see. Good for him, I guess. Yeah. Now, uh, in the world of the Superman homepage, we had our 2013 Shield Awards uh, for the year year of comic books with the 2013 cover date with any of the TV shows, uh, any of the merchandise and other areas, other mediums uh, that came out in 2013. And from the comic book world, the big winner this year or in 2013 was Superman Unchained. Yes, yes. I I can't really disagree. I, I... I don't know what's going on with that or, you know, what really is going to happen with it or whatever. But I, I did feel like it was of the highest quality. I felt like the stories were good. I felt like they kind of got Superman and the art was fantastic. So with all those things lumped together in a comic book, you couldn't really ask for more. Yeah. And Superman Wonder Woman only had one issue with a 2013 cover date. So it's understandable that that didn't do better in the results. You can't go on one issue for uh, for that year to uh, to get it come out on top, even though at the moment it's doing it's you know it's one of the better Superman titles. Uh, so it was interesting to see Superman Unchained win with Scott Snyder as the best writer, Jim Lee and his crew as the best art- artistic team. Uh, Superman Unchained also had the best comic book cover according to the fans, and was voted as the best regular Superman comic book title. So four of the categories there went to the Superman Unchained people. Obviously, Superman Returns. Sorry, sorry, Superman Returns. Man of Steel was voted as the uh, best appearance in alternative media, meaning outside of the comic books. That goes without saying. I think that most that it would win that. Uh, and uh, sadly, we saw the final categories for Young Justice with uh, a half dozen or so episodes uh, having aired at the beginning of this year. Those categories will now be retired for next year's Shield Awards. Sad, sad, sad. <laughs> All right. Well, let's have a look at 2013. What was what was your one highlight of uh, 2013 for you from the Superman world? 
Well, I'll certainly say Man of Steel and in breaking that down, the uh, the uh, visit to New York City and the world premiere of, of the movie was uh, probably the highlight of the year for me. Yeah, I would have to 100% agree with you. The trip to, to America for me to see the Superman celebration for the 75th anniversary and then obviously coupled with the Man of Steel world premiere in New York City where I get to catch up with you in person again and uh, and Jeffrey uh, Taylor and uh, Rennie Cowan, and to go to the after party with you guys and you know rub shoulders with the celebrities and have the guys there like Henry Cavill and Zack Snyder recognize the Superman homepage and say so so many nice things about the website, and and just be there amongst it all. Uh, it was it was definitely the highlight for me for 2013 and the movie itself. Yeah, it was great. It was it was fantastic. It was an experience that uh, I don't think we're going to forget. Mm. uh, anytime uh, soon or ever. And, uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey, I'll, I'll, I'll say again, you know, uh, he, uh, he came through for me on that one. And I, I appreciate that. And of course my uh, involvement with the Superman homepage and you and, uh, made it all possible. So, uh, I thank you again for that. And I really enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah, it was fantastic to, to be able to hang out with you guys and my sister Carol coming along, uh, for the ride as well, and 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 I f should add that uh, my trip with her to the offices of DC Comics at New York City was also amongst that uh, fantastic highlight of June for me to be able to meet up with Eddie Baganza in person after knowing him for so many years, and and get a better working relationship with DC Comics for the Superman homepage in moving forward, and getting us things like exclusive sneak peeks now for the Superman comic books, and getting Eddie Baganza back to do the Ask Eddie fan forum. Uh, it just it bodes well for the for the future of the site uh, with DC Comics as a relationship uh, going forward. Nice. All right, now, before we move on to the big question segment, what are you looking forward to most in 2014? Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess there's a couple of uh, movies they're talking about, the, the animated films. You know, uh, War should be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But uh, but rather than pick something like that, I, I honestly, I look forward to every day hearing about new uh information from from the next movie and and what's going to happen I, I imagine we're going to get a title and we're going to get a synopsis of some kind in the year 2014 so i believe that's probably what i'm most looking forward to yeah again i have to agree with you i'm almost it's almost like a bittersweet thing i'm almost dreading all the rumors and speculation and 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 all that hoo-ha that comes with it but then <laughs> you know from the unofficial kind of things that you know the thing the, the, the that people you know toss up as possibilities but i am looking forward to what the official announcements you know the title uh seeing some footage some image uh images seeing what they come up with at san diego comic-con i'm sure there's going to be a massive announcement there in the middle of this yep. year they'll have something uh substantial to show us i imagine uh there uh so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to all the news and and details coming out about the upcoming movie mainly the title uh i think that will tell us uh, probably more than anything where they're going, the direction they're heading for this movie. How about this? Man of Steel, Trinity. Yeah, Mark my words. One. I've seen that one thrown around a bit. That would be interesting. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. That's, I haven't seen that. I actually just came up with that myself. I, uh. Honestly, uh, I don't have my computer. Uh, some of you might be able to hear a slightly different sound to me this month and last month. My computer's been down, and I'm 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 using an alternative means of 
of recording this uh, podcast for you guys. But uh, so I haven't done as much uh, researching the net and, and things and, and trying to find out what's been going on. So uh, other than than uh, maybe some fans or somebody saying that, I, 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 uh, I feel like um, that's the first time I said it out loud and I haven't been reading it in a lot of places personally. That doesn't mean it's not out there, but uh, I, I, I I would like that now that we know that Wonder Woman and Batman are both in it and and it also would allow would allow the Man of Steel title to be the marquee with with an undertitle uh, uh, being uh, secondary. Yeah, well, let's wait and see what they come up with. All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what was your favorite feature on the Man of Steel Blu-ray DVD collection? Yeah, and who did we have up first? Well, I find this interesting because we we only have a couple of responses this month, and I, I think I, I got I kind of feel like it's probably because there really weren't any. And and I, I say that kind of exaggerating because there were some and you can kind of watch the movie and get most of your behind the scenes stuff in a different way than I've seen on other DVD releases, but I'm still personally very disappointed with what was there, especially for the multiple options you had at purchasing it, four discs, two discs, three discs, this and that. Uh, it doesn't seem to me that all those discs were needed and you got a Hobbit feature on every one of them. And, and instead of there being really a lot of behind the scenes stuff, there's that one really good feature where you watch the movie as it breaks it down and, and they break away from the movie to show you how certain parts of it were filmed. And then there's a couple of little features, but I have definitely seen many, many more. I think there was more on the Superman return set, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Whitmore wrote, while I was a little disappointed with the lack of filmmaker commentary, I was pleasantly surprised with the making of feature option that played along with the movie. But can anyone tell me why the hell they included a Hobbit feature? Aside from all that, the different retailer package variations available were great for collection purposes, but now I feel that WB should return my spending favor by paying my rent and my car insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brandon. Uh, Some interesting thoughts there and echoed some of your own thoughts uh, in regards to that Hobbit feature, which was an interesting inclusion. But, uh, yeah, well, look, maybe down the track we'll get a, you know, an ultimate edition, which will include some deleted scenes, some, some bloopers, some, you know, some of those outtakes, some of those things that I really usually enjoy in bonus material on a Blu-ray or DVD collection. Uh, we'll wait and see if that end up, we end up getting that uh, down the track sometime. But uh, well, that's kind of bothersome because you know Star Wars and Lucas have done it forever. Yeah, you know one one edition and oh this is the ultimate edition and then a few years later no 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 this is the ultimate edition and then years after that you get a better edition and. And it's a way of just milking more yeah. and more money out of the fans. And, and, it, and Brandon kind of has a point there. And he's just talking about the additions that came out this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when the second Man of Steel entry, entry comes out uh, in two years or a year and a half, whatever it is now, I'm certain there will be other versions of Man of Steel that come out and, and, and different packagings and things like that. And, and then there'll be a two-disc, two-movie set of Man of Steel and the second Man of Steel. And then there'll be a three-movie set. And they just want you to keep – they want – you know, they don't expect it's going to be new people every time, but there will be some. But then they – what they really want, just like with the Stormtrooper helmet version of the canisters for Star Wars, they expect that the same 
fans slash collectors will collect every single version and spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on these because, oh, no, 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 there's one feature on here that wasn't on the last one, or this tin looks like Darth Vader's head. Uh, and it, 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 it gets to be a little bit overbearing to be a, a fan, a, just a normal person trying to trying to get everything you can that has to do with the movie that you love. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, let's see what Hector says. Uh, he wrote in saying the best part of the DVD release was the DVD and how they did the special effects and how they made everything come to life. I can't wait for part two. Definitely agree with that. Uh, Travis Thornton wrote, Hey guys, long-time listener and first-time writer here. My favorite part of the Man of Steel Blu-ray was, of course, the movie commentary special feature. Seeing how much detail went into making the movie was a real eye-opener and just how much care Snyder put into it. And listening to Richard Schiff, Dr. Emil Hamilton, make his occasional witty remark was a good laugh, too. I really enjoy the show and hope you guys have a happy holiday this season. Thank you, Travis. I hope yeah. you have a happy holiday as well. Yeah, thanks, Travis. Some uh, interesting thoughts, and it's great to hear from a long-time listener for the first time. So thank you for writing in. Now we move on to our new big question for this podcast, and what is our new question, Scott? What do you think of Gal Gadot being cast to play Wonder Woman in the upcoming movie? What do you think of Wonder Woman being in the movie at all? Yeah, let's know your thoughts on the whole Wonder Woman issue with the casting of Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman being in the movie, uh, whether you like it or not, what your thoughts are on that question. You can get involved with this new big question by sending in your email using the big question feedback form found at the website, or you can also record an MP3 audio answer, and we will play that here on our next Radio KL podcast. I guess now it's time for our Superman comic humor, Steve. Yeah, that's right. Uh, our relatively new segment. I think it's our third uh, segment, third time doing this segment. And here we have a CBC radio uh, segment, a sketch from the Irrelevant show. And in this one, we see Superman and Batman having a uh, uh, somewhat interesting conversation. Check it out. Oh, hey, Batman. I thought I saw you standing on this roof. Oh, hi, Superman. How's your night? Good, good. I just fought a giant robot and threw it into the sun. It was going to cause an earthquake that would have destroyed North America. Cool. I was busy, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The penguin broke out of prison. I had to beat him up and took him back. Quite the fight. The penguin? Yeah, he's tricky, but I got him. Uh, remind me again, which one is he? He wears the top hat. Right, the, the fat old man? Yeah, I, I guess. So, you beat up a fat old man in a top hat. <laughs> uh, how old are you again? In, in your 30s? Well, well, he had a weapon. What? An umbrella. The senior citizen had an umbrella. <laughs> and, and all you had was everything in your utility belt. Your batarangs, gas bombs, brass knuckles, lasers, and, you know, being in your 30s. Look, it's been a busy week. The Joker also escaped from Arkham Asylum. Right, he's your main bad guy, and uh, he's a clown? Yeah. You beat up a clown. Yeah, he's, he's pretty evil. Though. He's still a clown. <laughs> you fight old people and clowns. Why not just go after someone dressed as a kitten? <laughs> you have a bad guy who dresses like a kitten? No, it's a woman. 
You fight a woman dressed as a kitten. She's a cat, not a kitten. What is wrong with you? I mean, I know you don't have any powers, but pick on someone your own size, man. What kind of hero are you? I stopped a robbery today at the First Bank of Gotham. You're the richest guy in town. That's your money in that bank. <laughs> Maybe you should just leave. Yes, yes, I should. With my X-ray vision, I can see that Brainiac, the super-intelligent alien, is trying to shrink Australia. Uh, maybe I should send a ten-year-old boy in a bright yellow cape and green shorts into his spaceship first to see if it's safe. Oh, wait a minute. I don't do that. Who is it that does that again? All right, it's you. <laughs> Get it together, man. <laughs> Dial Lex Luthor, home. Hello? Hello, is this Lex Luthor? Hi. Yeah, Clark Kent is Superman. Clark Kent is Superman? Yeah, yeah, really. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, there you have it, and now we move into our secret soundbite segment of the show. Last month's sound was Jor-El speaking in the movie Man of Steel. Uh, why don't we hear that one more time, Steve? Here we go. Silencing me won't change anything. Well, there it was. And if uh, you recognized it, uh, you should have gone involved and sent your uh, answer in because these three people did, and they guessed it correctly, and they were Dave Booth, Jeremy Crawford, and Fred Walsh. They were able to identify that that was Jor-El from Man of Steel. Now let's see if those three people and, and more fans listening to the show can guess where this new super secret soundbite comes from. Morning, Superman. This is Santa Claus. Uh-oh. I don't like this. Superman, we need help. My reindeer have been kidnapped. Can you proceed to North Pole at once? You bet I can. Here, I'll just park this car, then I'm off. Okay, Santa, here I come. Up, up, and away! Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that new sound came from, use the Super Secret Soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in our next podcast. Well, that's clearly the already filmed pilot to the Young Justice live action show that's coming out in 2015. What prize do I get? Yeah, I think that was the, the make-out scene between Superboy and, Ma Ma and Miss Marshall. <laughs> All right, I think you're correct. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see what our song is for this month. The Superman song for the month is called Superman. It's by Skilo from his 1995 album, I Wish. Yeah, we don't do many rap-type songs here on Radio KL, so uh, here is Superman by Skilo.
wires and dead fires in my garage Sabotage, I'm coming to your fools and camouflage Guards must be crazy, so your style for the 80s Look at that, that's your lady, why she look like Brady? Shady business, wanna stop and look at my profile People like me be catching girls but can't go hats and all gals Staff, skill, I get ill every time I rhyme Quantum sleep, so my you gonna get that food this time Cause I'm Swiss Tita, Mr. Domino Mita, with bad aim Fame, now I'm gonna live forever, never to die Bonsai, that black eye with a black eye feather for the centric Dag, y'all, look at my watch, I gotta shake this spot So pal, look at this brother with staffs Pick his name, Mr. Skeeter, Mr. Domino Mita Watch that holy cow, a bunga, hunga Couple of signs from these trees The day that I became an MC It was the day that I became a super It was the day that I became a superman What? The superman see Scotty now doing his, his dancing uh, over there on the other side of the world. Uh, not, yeah, hurt, yeah. not hurting yourself, are you, Scott? No, no. I, I got one leg up over my head, but uh, <laughs> I'll be all right. Very good. Well, that is our show for this month and indeed for 2013, Hooray. our last one. On behalf of myself and everybody at the Superman homepage, I, page, I'd like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays and a Super New Year. 
Yes, uh, I, I echo your sentiments, Steve. I hope everybody has a uh, great holiday season and uh, enjoys their families and enjoys whatever Superman-related merchandise. I'm sure all of you will be getting out there and uh, and just uh, you know uh, think about the year that's passed and and uh, and uh, don't take anything for granted and and always look up in the sky. Hello, everyone. This is Superman bringing you best wishes for a very Merry Christmas from Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and myself. You've been listening to Radio KAL brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.